da 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 is that your best Toto impression? <laughs> yes, it was. Congratulations. Um, and why why did I sing Toto for the intro? Because we just watched the abominable Dune. I think it's just called Dune. 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 No abominable there. By David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dino De Laurentiis. A strong name, isn't it? Yeah, um, and June did the soundtrack, which I stand by. I stand by the soundtrack. <laughs> June did by the June did the soundtrack. Ah, oh, sugars. Uh, Toto did the soundtrack, hence um, Africa or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, but Brian Eno, who's legit. Brian Eno. Um, I'm sure there's a, some song Eno. Um, there's Half Man Half Biscuit with their Eno. Eno collaboration. Ah, no. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of another one. All across the nation. No, no, it's definitely another one. No, um, uh, Come Up and See Me by the, not Steve Miller Band, but... Oh. That um, kind of thing. They got... Steve, co- Steve, Steve Harley and the Cockney Rebels? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they go, but Eno! At some point. Anyway, the point is, um, Toto did the soundtrack of a film that I made Dan watch... One, because it is one of my childhood favourites. Two, because I kind of think it should be on every sci-fi fan's curriculum. And three, because I have long said that the difference between Star Wars and Dune is the same as the difference between normal people and me. <laughs> and I apologise for all of those, all three of those, um, those things I suggested. Okay. I'm just going to do a moving about thing, so apologies for any... Well, we could edit it out, or we could just talk about it for so long. It doesn't matter. It's background noise. Hell of a background noise, though. But I haven't seen it for maybe a decade. Okay, do you want to tell me your history of Dune first? No, it was... Well, basically, when other people grew up on Star Wars, I hadn't seen Star Wars. But I had seen Dune, and I... Was there a reason for this? No, I, I had just seen it, you know. And Star Wars, I didn't ever catch on TV. But my first girlfriend as a teenager, first girlfriend, first first really serious girlfriend, you know, first mm. when you are at that age where you kind of want to escape the world with each other and nothing, nobody understands us, man. <laughs> you know, first engagement, even. Um, what? Yeah. I yeah. No, we... Uh, I've never been engaged. Well, I've been engaged a couple of times. And let uh. me tell you, it's probably better to wait. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, yeah, uh, we were big Dune fans, and so we watched it several times. And so I could, there were lots of bits of my. Uh, when I when I talk about reference humor, I always feel guilty because I do reference Dune. So yeah, now you'll understand those references. I probably won't. I don't know if I took it in that. There, that well. I'll I mean, probably get. Um... <laughs> there are only two or three lines that I. They so, try and they die. I'll probably get that one, but yeah, yeah, apart from that. Yeah. And um, he knows his way as if they were his own. Which is actually not the line, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a really good line. I'll take your word for it. Dan, in 20 seconds, would you like to give me a 20 <laughs> second rundown of what the hell happens in June? On your marks, get set, go. Message in a bottle, Sting. yeah. No, that's about it. Oh, right. 
Is that with I mean, worm, with I mean, worms? Sting was in, actually incredibly sexy in one scene. He was very sexy, wasn't he? Is that the only bit you remember? No, it's his hair. Okay, his hair was awful. But like, there is one scene where he comes out topless. Oh, uh, bare-chested, I think, is the official term for men being topless. And he's supposed to be sexy because the horrible bad guy, the Baron Harkonnen, looks at him in a gay, sexy way. And there's no denying that he is... Oh, it, like, you know... You, ca- think, you couldn't not look him in, in, in that way. I think any straight gay man would, any would ma- look at Any, any man, man would, yeah. Darth Vader would... I Probably would, like I would skip a breath for mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quite. Yeah. And as you pointed out when the film was happening, and he knows it, which he is does, like, he does know. There's nothing worse than a sexy guy who's oiled and rippling, who's like, Yeah, yeah. I'm oiled and rippling. And I know this. Yes. Um for a formative bisexual guy as I was, uh there are several fairly gay moments in that. Because the other thing is a twink is bought on, which for you non-gay or whatever guys is a young gay man. A twink? A twink. Where does that word come from? I don't know. I don't know. It's a horrible word. But it basically means a young looking gay man. Okay. So that guy is bought in to uh, set up some flowers which are apparently made of brass or something. Metal flowers. Mm. And he's obviously this very young petite gay man and he's got a heart plug and the Baron Harkonnen comes over and plucks his heart plug and revels in this blood going over so it's really creepy stuff which you know is formative maybe that's why I turned out as boring as I did <laughs> well because you grew up on Star, Star Wars, Wars where the closest to romance is <laughs> a, brother, a brother and sister <laughs> nearly kiss or do they kiss there is a kiss yeah okay but chased because they never do anything. They never refer to it. Again. And I didn't have a sister, so. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah. Lucky for me. God, I mean, yes, you are Star Wars to my Dune, and there's a creepy kid in Dune, which I don't think there is in Star Wars. I don't think there are any kids in Star Wars, are there? But the creepy kid in Dune, I mean, it's probably the she, best bit. Really. She's first-rate creepy child. Yeah. She is a. She's supposed to be seven because seven years passes. She must be three or four. Oh, she meant to be a kid of... She I, was, I totally missed that bit. She was Jessica's, char- jo- Jessica's child. Was Jessica uh, Carl's mum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She's Carl's sister. Oh, okay. So she got pregnant before it all went to crap. I totally missed this yeah. plot point. And she was born after she drank the water of life and survived and all that. Now. But anyway, there's a child who dresses in a, a, a black cloak and has glowing blue eyes. And when she speaks, it is a voiceover done by a much creepier woman. But like The Exorcist. Yeah. The Exorcist is worth watching purely because you can see where... A misunderstanding of things like epilepsy mm. inform folklore. That's my take from that. I recently watched The Exorcist in the cinema as a re-release, and was it, it at was, midnight? It wasn't at midnight. No, mm. it was great. Regardless, it was great either way. But a midnight showing I did go to see was The Man Who Fell to Earth, yeah, starring hang, David hang, Bowie. Hang on a minute, one, one <laughs> cinema 
<laughs> going at the time. But I, I want to hear about that later on because we have stuff to say about it. But um, The Exorcist. It's great in the cinema. Okay. And it's really scary. Okay. And I would recommend it to anyone who can get the opportunity. Fair enough. Because I'm, I'm a big horror fan and pilgrimaged watching The Exorcist. And, and I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't see what's... You didn't like The Exorcist? I, well, I didn't see what was... I didn't see why it would mess people up in the way that people talk mm. about it. Unless you had a religious upbringing, which I didn't have, and it no, really I challenged didn't. you or whatever. Or no, I didn't. I was, I was quite late to the Exorcist game. I was probably about 23, 24 when I first saw it for the first time. Fair enough. When I first saw it for the first time. That was a burp uh, for anyone who missed that. That wasn't a burp. That was just a... Fluff. Oh, was that was that vocal fluff? I was a a vocal fluff. Right. Okay. Um, Um, Yeah, Uh, I wasn't raised. My my parents weren't massive film fans. Or Christians. Or Christians. Okay. They were atheists and vegetarians. Average Joes. Okay. Oh, I go average Joe. They're too young to be average Joe. Younger than average. Stuff. Okay. Anyway. 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 But so you're. But so you're saying there is something scary to The Exorcist, which is not based on. Because because when I watched it, for the first time, I was at Catholic sixth form college. So although I had grown up an atheist, I had plenty of Catholic friends. And when I watched it, I was like, maybe it's scary, for that reason. Maybe that's why I'm not getting why it's creepy. Hmm. But you're suggesting that's. There is something to it. I wouldn't say I was ever, like, scared, like, terrified to my core. Fair enough. I'd still say it's great. And I think in the cinema, I enjoyed it more in the cinema than I watched on TV. And Man Who Fell to Earth. This is the third film that we will mention in this particular (laughs) recording. Also starring a rock star. Also starring a rock star. That I watched at that particular time. So, um, Dune I was a big fan of, and... Um, whatever the Exorcist and Man Who Fell to Earth I all watched at pretty much the same time so okay. it's really interesting that you brought up two of those that is... and that's very formative for a you know bisexual teenage kid because you know there aren't many films with a bisexual character in any way a lead role and that's a really poor example ten years later mm. I one of the reasons I have my duffel coat is because David Bowie wore a duffel coat in that film. Wow, we 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 watch films at really different levels, you and I. I just wish I was David Bowie, to be honest. Oh, I, right, for the record, I'm, I'm not a David Bowie fan. No, I really like his music. And and that's that's it. I don't think he's any more deep than that. And I'm really sorry, because I know some people think he's amazing. I just... I thought he, I thought he was a singer who had like an interesting way of presenting himself and runs no deeper than that. I'm aware that I'm too young for David Bowie generally. But I don't know, maybe I maybe I'm probably just that wrapped up in that nostalgia tornado that he is. But I don't know, he's released so many great albums. Oh yeah, sure. He's a really good musician. Yeah, and there are a few, very few David Bowie songs that I dislike. So, as uh, a... I don't know, mate. If you go into the eighties and the nineties, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure you can find oh, that a awful gnome one. <laughs> oh, but I uh, just take out to Tim Machine. Yeah, but but 
But I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with David Bowie. I just don't think he represents any kind of messianic godhood. I don't think he speaks for to social values that other people don't or anything like that. I think he speaks in a way that he was very, you know, in terms of gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think he's very fluid and uh, very, at the time, at you the know, time. going top of the pops and, yeah. you know, probably yeah. scaring a lot of if, right, parents. Here's my thing. If he was going to represent bisexual people, then he wouldn't have denied ever sleeping with a man. Like, he wouldn't have retracted saying he was bisexual. He's a really poor role model in that. If we're going to talk, I didn't know he did that. Yeah, if we're going to talk about um, people who represent bisexuality in history, then we can say Alexander the Great conquered Europe and had a wife who he was happily married to and slept with men. Whereas we say David Bowie, on record there's all this uh, theory about men he may have slept with. Um, but in interviews he always refused to say he was bisexual. So, mm. you know. I wasn't aware of that. I'm probably just cherry picking. No, no, that's fair <laughs> enough. But, 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 I mean, the reason I mention it is because he is famously, you know, a role model for bisexuals. Mm. Not, he's not a very good one. Because if you have to, if you have to pick a side, then that's but not... But when it comes that, to pop culture, though, oh, sh- you, oh, it sure. is all surface level. And if you're presenting that as a surface level thing, well, that's it, pretty great. Well, in that case, I'd refer you to all the singers from Busted. Is it Busted? No, it's not Busted. <laughs> I apologise to Busted. I mean, because they're no ones. Um, the other band, which is... Uh, refers to... McFly. McFly. Half of McFly and half of Blue have all said, yeah, no, I'm bisexual. That's, that's who I am. That's fine. They didn't make any massive claims about it. They didn't dress Yeah, but in the thing. 70s... I'm, okay, fair Different enough. time. Yeah. But I'm saying that they are better role models overall. Probably better for, role models for... For just going... For people these it days. It didn't mean I had to dress in glam clothing. I just... I just said this thing about myself, and that's the beginning and end of the discussion. I, I, I prefer that. I, how, how did we end up talking about David Bowie? <laughs> I don't know, because who should we be talking about? June. Sting, that's Sting. right. Toto. 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 Toto Annihilation. Um, I, that wasn't my joke, that was from... That was your joke? No, I know, but I stole it from Cats and Dogs. Oh. I'm really sorry. The dog in Cats and Dogs wants to rename himself... And one of the names he comes up with is Total Annihilation. My best pun was Total Recall. And that's only because yeah. we were talking about Total Recall before the film. That's fair. What was your favourite gag from, <laughs> from Dune? Let's look at my notes. Yeah, did you write any notes? I did. Um, oh, I, I've got a good one. Probably the bit where Kyle... That's not, that's not the character's name, that's the actor's name. No, Paul Atreides. Paul Atreides shouts... Father! Yes. I mean, it's a, almost a no moment, it's isn't probably it? probably worse than that. It's not worse than that. Nothing nothing televised has, is worse. Really on par. I did notice uh, an interesting thing about... I don't read that much sci-fi or fantasy, but having a central character who has a Hebrew name, Paul Atreides, Luke Skywalker, it's really interesting, whereas all the other names are like... Bon Jovi. No, that's a really bad. <laughs> bon Jovi. No, but you know, 
All the Sting. Other... Sting. No, all the other names of the characters are Gerder and Barju. Stupid sounds. Arlia. Um, but for the central character, you have a perfectly a, a very a nice Hebrew name that you could bring the central character back to meet your mother. Interesting. No, Paul, Atreides, Luke, Skywalker. Mm. Yeah. Give me a hand solo any day. Hey, my favourite gag, and I mean you're gonna when I say it, you're gonna go, oh no, that was the best bit, is when Patrick Stewart, who is famous from being a friend of Gandalf. When he said um, something like, this lack of direction should be reserved for love play. <laughs> and it made me think, any time I ever refer to, uh, I can say, is, was he referring to sex or masturbation? But either way, either. Love, play, love play. Love play. In fact, if I ever meet Patrick Stewart, I'll whip out my phone and say, can you just say love play? Because I think even now, 20, 30 years after this film is made? 33 years... No, that can't be true. 33 years after this film came out, he still looks the same age. He does look the same age. Mm. And in the film, seven years passes and he looks the same age. Except he grows a bad mother. Oh, he does. Yeah, he's bald on top, fun at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it business on front party in the back? Yeah. Uh, we also noticed that Max von Sydow was in this film. Mm. Another ageless actor. Yes. Um, uh, so ageless. He's really old in this. I didn't even notice him, to be honest. He was the um, the Fremen guide. That makes so much sense to me, Alistair. Thank you so much for clearing right. that up. So when they arrive at the planet, there are the, the indigenous people called Fremen, and he's been there for ages. He was, And I knew when I was I thought, I know who this guy is. Um, he's in Star Wars as well. Oh, he's in Star Wars. Um, isn't, isn't the... Sean Young, no, she's not in Star Wars. So. No, Blade Runner. Yeah. Sean so, Young, I made all these comments about her not being attractive. I'm sure she's famously attractive. Why did you make these comments? Well, uh, right, he meets... Right. Paul is this two other June nerds? Paul Atreides gets to June, and he's been having these images of this woman who goes, tell me about your former life. And he meets her in person and and she says this, the line that he's been dreaming. And he goes, she's so beautiful. But she's not. She's, she's in, in this film, she's, she's got her scraped back over her head. She's got these glowing blue eyes. She's not that hot. And she's literally the first girl he meets in the entire film apart from his mother. His hot mother. <laughs> His hot young mother. And the um, uh, Bene Gesserit witch, the, uh, who's really cool, but definitely not wank bank. We were talking about this in terms of modern Western <laughs> standards. Well, you have to, because they're all Caucasian people. I mean, none of them aren't modern Western standards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... We've, no, I I'm just. She doesn't do herself any favors. Sean Young. All right. No one wears a high, whatever you call that, a high ponytail on the top of your head, a top knot. Completely scraped back, and then when she does let her hair down, she um, 
does it up, boofs it up in an 80s way. It's very 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, and kind of looks a bit more like his mother, and it's like, oh, oh man, that's really bad. Mm. Mm. Uh, do you know what? Your hair would look so much better if it was like my mother's. Yeah, I, I know that you've been living in the desert, but I, I don't know much about women, but this is what my mum does, mm. and I think it would look really hot on you. Do you, do you have hairspray and hair dryers in the desert? Because <laughs> um, I think this would be really great for you. I want to point out, halfway through the film, you made a prank call to um, David Lynch, who was obviously the fantastic... David Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us what that call was about? Um, Basically, he dropped a few art house montages in it. I'm going with a montage. More than one. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sort of rippling water and a few... Palms, palms of hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. And, yeah, I, I did a prank call with the producer to David Lynch, being like, this is, wasn't what we asked for. Well, see, my defence would be that he put 90% of the exposition in voiceovers, internal monologues. And I, after you mentioned that, I was like, would this film be better without the internal monologues? And there's so much that it's impossible to tell. Going back to Sean Young and sure. Blade Runner. Sure. Mm. Um, yeah. Wasn't the original Blade Runner? I suppose. Didn't. Sorry. Didn't the original. I've had a few glasses of wine. Mm. Excuse Bottles, me. Bottles, actually. Shh. <laughs> 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 um, no, never read it. Never read it. So, in Blade Runner, sure. the original had a voiceover, I believe. Right. At the end? No, the whole thing. I had like a. Sort of noir. Oh, it was all very noir. Yeah, uh, there, there was a voiceover. Like Harrison who, Ford did a voiceover. Right. Who directed it? Is Ridley there a... Scott. Of course. Yeah. Okay. We'll edit that bit. I will bleep that. No, bit. no, no. I don't. I don't. No, no. I don't mind that. Yeah, right. Go on. Um, but yeah, it was voiceover. In it. I've never heard this version. I've only seen the. I don't know, the definitive cut, whatever it is. <laughs> the definitive cut yeah. is really good. The director's cut doesn't have the bit that the director decided to put in, which is voiceovers. No, no, Ridley Scott uh, opposed the voiceover. That was a okay. producer or studio sort of thing. I've got to say, I'm really not a fan... Of Blade Runner? Of Blade Runner. Okay. Uh, so, I haven't seen it enough times to... For it to be immediate recall. The, the version I've watched, the definitive DVD version, mm-hmm. was really good. Sure. I that, couldn't, and that, and I that couldn't is, speak for the... That is definitely the uh, director's cut. Cause, that's the one I think that Ridley Scott sort of signed off on. Yeah, because of all films, that is the one that set the standard for going, yeah, we there is a cinema release, but actually the director has said mm. he would rather we have this version. He yeah. created the, the model of having a director's cut. I mean, he did a director's cut of Alien, yeah, uh, but sure. when, I, when I watched it on DVD, he made a point of saying, I didn't want to do this. Is <laughs> no, do an impression. So, my name is Ridley Scott, and I am, I am wonderful. Hello, Mr. Scott. Um, I did such a great job on Alien that there is no point in me doing right. another cut of Alien, okay. but because the DVD people demand it, I've made another cut. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. What have you done to... um... In fact, it's longer than the original. Correction. I meant shorter.
Soz. Well, that's that's what we all want as fans. We all want to eke out our, our watching pleasure. And it's just to just to indulge people with some deleted scenes that don't actually add to the film, but just oh, body horror. No, uh, a, bit, a bit of egg making. <laughs> egg. Oh, oh, do you know with egg making? I went through egg mayonnaise, and then I went through. Um, menstrual cycle. Egg mayonnaise. We don't do it all. That's disgusting, <laughs> no, mate. But genuinely, when you said egg breaking, I thought kitchen. No, um, menses. No, aliens. Oh, aliens. Okay. Let me get back to that. Oh, fair enough. I hope I cleared that matter up. No, not at all. So, uh, so have you seen? Right. Okay. So we're talking about director's cuts. Yes. Okay. I don't know if David Lynch... Right, I hadn't... No, as a fan of Dune, I didn't realise that David Lynch had such a, a controversial directorial ship of Dune. But you were saying that they... They... The, the, they... The Church of Scientology or whoever did not like his directhood. I was assuming. Oh, really? <laughs> I've not done any research. I thought you. I thought you said, b- b- with full, you know, whatever. I said judging from what I could. You th- you think that they came in and said that he didn't like that they the they the they didn't like David Lynch's interpretation of Frank Herbert's Dune. Yes. I really thought you asserted that as someone who knew what they were talking about. Mate, I've never seen the film. <laughs> yeah, but you said it with such confidence. I'm assuming. Right, because I've tried to read the books, and as I said earlier, they're a big piece of... Cr- they're awful. They're awful? They're all... Well, they're difficult. I'm not a big uh, sci-fi fantasy fan. No, me neither. And when you read sci-fi fantasy, often it is dense... And quite boring. Mm. And Frank Herbert is one of those authors who will put a good half a page in a much smaller type in italics, which is an excerpt from the 2839 Library of the Benny Gesserit Report on Dune. Dune has been... Fa- so, you know, because he'll include made-up material, but in a typeface where you're like, I, I can safely skip all this. I did that when I read Lord of the Rings. Oh, I, I Lord s- of the Rings! No, you're right. I didn't even finish it. I got I got mm. halfway through Two Towers and I was like, no, no more. Mm. Skipped all the songs. I I would I'm sure that the majority of Lord of the Rings fans now were maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen when the first Lord of the Rings film came out. Because before that point, it was a very as a minority interest. I tried reading all the things before the films. Sure, but I mean, you're a little bit older. Than a little bit older. Um, my younger, my youngest brother. He's, he, he's, he's two. He's two. No, he's he's twenty five in a couple of weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's part of that demographic where he was sort of introduced by the films rather than the books, and he's read the books. Yeah. Oh, good friends. He said they're boring as sin. He was like, Good. the first song, you get to Return of the King, it's, it's just walking. Well, because the films, I watched the first one, I enjoyed the first one, and I left the cinema going, mm, I've, I have notes. 
I could not watch the third one. And on the plane to New Zealand, I watched the first one, or first two, first one, at least, of the Hobbit films. And I was like, I know children who have watched these. <laughs> How on earth does anyone sit through them? Tedious. They're like the worst action movies. Like, nothing happens. Just slow action. As in people hitting <laughs> each other for... Three hours. I um <gasps> on my flight from New Zealand to Japan. Mm. Well, we should say both of us lived in New Zealand for a very short period of time. Yes, I slept on Alice's floor. It was great. A couch. No, first month on <laughs> the floor. Yeah, fair. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> um, but on my flight from New Zealand to Japan, mm-hmm. when I when I escaped the wonderful land of New Zealand. Mm. Um, I was sat with a bloke who was on my sort of right angle to me. So I could kind okay. of watch, see what films he was watching me. Yeah. And across the aisle. And across the aisle, fact. yeah. Yeah. And he watched a Lord of the Rings films, so the whole trilogy, out of sequence. <laughs> oh. And it really annoyed me because I've... I grew up with Lord of the Rings films. I've, I've watched them a lot. I know them quite well. And to watch this like bloke, I was like... What are you doing? You're watching them out of sequence. You're fast-forwarding bits. I see. I but not in order. He he would watch bits mm. from one film and he would then start the other film and fast-forward to another bit. And I was like, "What are you doing?" I would contend that although I never want to see a bit of a Lord of the Rings film again, I stand by Lord of the Rings. I think they're great. But I would posit that. A really good way of watching Lord of the Rings is choosing maybe five moments <laughs> out of the ten and a, ten plus hours, and just watching those bits, and that it doesn't matter in what order you watch them. You could probably do that with most films, though, couldn't you? Yeah. You could probably do that with June of all films. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I apologise for June. It does not stand up to. I. It's been a decade since I've watched it, and it does. It really doesn't stand up. <laughs> I, I still, I maintain that for a sci-fi fan, it should be in your reading list. But I, can't, I cannot argue that it is objectively good. And, and that's fine. And but, on that note, Alex, yeah. I think we should probably wrap things up. Because <laughs> I, I need to go home. No, fair enough. <laughs> so you, I was just about to start talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But you think that may be a leap too far? I've never seen that... TV show. Right, okay, well that'll be our next There is a clock in front of us, and I'm looking at it thinking, I should have left by now. Yeah, we should have been I mean, we've been doing Dune for five hours, and it's not that long a film. Yeah, and then we did a bunch of Simpsons episodes before this as well. No, we didn't. No, we We didn't. We do those once a week. Once a week. (laughs) Right, um, next extra will be your choice of whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, um, a session, an extra after that, we'll do some Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is good. Objective. It like good. an episode or two. Yeah, right. Right. Anyway, uh, TTYMB, Hutchers. TTFM. <laughs>